Good morning. How's everybody doing? Man, I am so glad uh, to be here today. How many know it's good to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. I was thinking, um, I don't know, I don't know that I want to be a millionaire. That sounds like a lot of problems, Jared. I don't know about everybody else, but, uh, but hey, you know, uh, there's a country song for that. Um, you know, when you were talking, I was thinking, I'm so excited about what I'm going to talk about today because it's going to work so well with that. Um, how many of you want to be healthy? That's the, that's the hands we're looking for right there. You know, that's what I, God is doing that in my life right now. I'm, I'm in this season where I'm traveling a lot and a lot of things are going on and uh, you get pulled in a lot of different directions and the prayer and the, and the desire of my heart and something that I'm working on uh, with my wife and my friends and the people that I'm closest with is what does it look like to be healthy? And I don't just mean physically or I don't just mean financially, but I mean as the, the full person that you are in Christ to be a healthy person. I think we live in an area uh, in, in a world, in a time that doesn't value being healthy enough. I think we value um, success and things. And we sit at dinner and we'll say, look at how many followers that person has on social media as if that's a, uh, something to be attained. Or look where that person lives as if that's something to be attained. I want you to know today that I believe what God is really, really, really after is for you to be healthy. Can I get an Amen. And I want you to know that there's no greater blessing in the world than to be healthy in Christ. And that's what I'm talking about today. And so, man, I was listening to that worship and thinking about that God is a champion for us. Um, but God is so deep. He is so uh, much more complex and has so much more texture than the things of this world. Amen. And, uh, and that's what I want to talk about today. So I want you to know that God loves you, that he is in pursuit of you, that he is more interested and your mental, emotional, spiritual health than anything in the world. And today we're going to do work on that because I'm a big believer. Listen, I, I'm a, uh, I don't know where we all are, are all generationally, but I'm where I am generationally. And I, I spend so much time with our friends and I say, man, you know what? Um, we are bombarded with, 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 with definitions of health. And I love that God has already told us what's healthy. Amen? That God's word already says, this is what it means to be healthy. And you know, the, the thing is, we have a lot of responsibility in that. We have a lot of responsibility in that. And we're going to get into that today. Can I pray a blessing over you and us and our hearts this morning? And let's let God just minister a healthy message of hope and responsibility. How many, everybody say, I'm responsible. I love that. God is not a genie. He is not bored. He's not looking around going, how can I bless you? God's saying, how can you be responsible so that I can use you, as Jared said, to be a blessing? Isn't that a great word? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We believe we're responsible. God, we believe that you've equipped us with your word and that you really do, really do want to bless us so that we can be a blessing. What a great word. Father, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the other day I was traveling uh, across the country. I was gone for a week, and uh, my wife was with me on this trip, and we said, hey, uh, we have two little beautiful, amazing boys, and we said, hey, if you're good, when we get back, we're going to take you to Toys R Us, and, and you can get something. And, uh, and so, uh, sure as, as could be, they were good. Uh, they were kind and, 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 and said please and thank you and protected each other, all the things that you want. And so we got back and took them to Toys R Us, and, and we went, and I, you know, I haven't been to Toys R Us in a long time. And, and, and I got in there, and man, these dudes ran into Toys R Us, and they grabbed swords, and they were sword fighting. They grabbed cars, and they were crushing cars into each other, and they slid down aisles, and they had so much fun. And all of a sudden, this thought hit me. 
What if the golden years of life are when you're five? Like, what if it's all downhill from here? Because in my line of work, whether it's on the business side or, or the ministry side, everyone seems miserable. Everyone seems burdened. Everyone seems irritated. Everybody seems unaccomplished. Everybody seems overweight. Everybody seems sad. Like, we're, this has got to be the best year. Everything is downhill from here. And I was like, that can't be. I really did. I was like, when was the last time that you and one of your friends sword fought? When was the last time you slid down an aisle? When was the last time you crashed cars? I mean, when was the last time you had that pure freedom of a child? And I watched them and I was like, God, this can't be. This cannot be that the best years of our life are at five. I don't want that. I don't want to spend the rest of my life going, I don't have enough, or I can have more, or I'm not satisfied, or I'm not important, or I'm not special, or fill in the blank. God's word says in Luke 4, 18 through 19, the spirit of the Lord is on me. This is Jesus speaking. He said, because he's anointed me, now watch this, to proclaim good news to who? The rich and the, and the healthy and the, to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to who? The prisoners. Recovery sight to the blind, set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus said, I am here to tell you there is good news. There's good news. So I started there and I was like, okay, God, you didn't come to tell us, hey, really soak up five to seven. Really, I mean, embrace those years because while you'll barely remember them, they will be the richest moments of your life. No, he said, that as we get older and we know this, things get more complex. Can I get an amen? amen? And we've got all these things going on with mortgages and business decisions and marriages and disappointments and life and body change and all that. And Jesus said, you know what? I want to set you free. I don't want that for you. I am your champion. There is nobody more for you than me. There's no one more for you than me. But you know what the beautiful thing about God is? We're going to get into this today. God just has different working definitions than we do. God just defines setting free and health and joy and hope and happiness just oftentimes different than we do. If you have your Bibles, go over to the book of Ephesians 5. We're going to spend a little time in that today. How many of you know it's good to be in the house of the Lord? Man, I think about this all the time. Sometimes I'll be driving to church on Sunday. I teach at my church now every other Sunday. And I think, Lord, I just, sometimes I just need a minute. I just need to hit the pause button out on life and just go, Lord, I just need your word. I need your reminders. I just need to be in your word. How many of you need a minute today? Let's just get a minute in the word and let the Lord bless us. Ephesians 5. All right, let's get into some word here. For you were once, uh, verse 8, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So God's word starts off like this. Uh, Paul speaking says, you were once darkness. I love this because he didn't say you were once in darkness. He didn't say you were once near darkness. He said there was a time where the entire person that you were, you were, you are, you exude darkness. And you're like, that's a little aggressive, Paul. Like, I don't mind being near it. I don't mind being kind of in it. But you're telling me the entire person of who I am 
is dark. And we think about things like darkness, right? We go, oh my gosh, sin and drugs and pornography and fornication outside of marriage and all those, that's darkness. Well, the Greek definition of the word darkness means this, obscurity, clueless, and unaware. Paul said this, you were once completely unaware, clueless. You had no idea about what it means to really walk in Christ. Clueless, absolutely clueless. And Paul says, this was a place where you once were. You had no idea of what it was that God really wanted for you, who Christ really was in you, how Christ really saw you. You had no working true definition of Christ. Recently, we were out to dinner with some friends and um, one of our, the, 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 the woman that we were with, she's um, very successful in her career and had a second child and took some time off of work and we were sitting there at dinner and she said, you know, I've got a really big job opportunity um, and I just don't know if I should take it. And so I volleyed back over to her and I just said, well, what is it that you think God really wants to do in your life right now? Like, what is it that God is doing in your life right now? What do you think God's calling to you? Why are you here right now? And she's like, I don't know. And this is the thing that I realized. If, if you don't know what God's trying to do in and through your life, every season of your life, then you will always make decisions based on the opportunity and not based on what God's trying to do in your life. And we do this all the time. I don't know if I should do it or not. And we, we evaluate the moment on an opportunity rather, rather than evaluating the moment based on what God's doing in our life. And so we're always looking at these things of the world and trying to figure out if we should do it or not versus going, God, what are you doing? And Paul says that's obscurity. He said that's darkness. That's being unaware. And see, so often we think because at some point in time we said yes to Jesus Christ and we come to church and we lift our hands that there's no way that we can be in darkness. And I say I don't believe it. I think we weave in and out of darkness and obscurity all the time. And I'm going to tell you why I think that is, because Paul tells us why. He says, you were once in darkness, but now you are light. And then he says, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and joy. And here's what Paul says. He says, once you were obscure, but then something happened. There was like this, this flip this happened, this transition that happened. There was a shift. You were no longer in darkness, but now you are in the Lord. And so we read that and we go, in the Lord, that's me. All right, I said yes to Jesus. I got baptized in one of those troughs. Yeah, I am in the Lord. Well, in the Lord, in the original language, means this. In the Lord means one who has the power, uh, has the power of deciding and a master. So in the Lord means, Paul says, you were once obscure, but you've shifted to in the Lord. And in, in the Lord means that you've shifted your life to a place where now God has the power to decide. That's what in the Lord means. I've shifted to a place where now the Lord has the power to decide. I've shared this before. When I was 26, I was um, at this fundraising gala and uh, Ken Blanchard got up to speak. It was a, um, a non-Christian thing, but he's a Christian author um, and non-Christian author. And he said, you know, people ask me all the time, what's the secret to success? He was this, you know, multimillionaire author, leadership guru, speaker, whatever. And he said, you know, I'm, 
I'm probably going to dissatisfy most of you with my answer, but here's my answer. Every morning I wake up and I say the exact same prayer. I say, good morning, God. What are you up to today and how can I help? And I just wake up every morning and I just say, God, I believe that you're doing something that's more beautiful and more deep and more wonderful and more satisfying than whatever I could conjure up. So what are you doing and how may I assist you? That is in the Lord. In the Lord says this, has the deciding power. Who's got the deciding power in your life? And before you rush into saying, Jesus, don't lie to yourself. It doesn't do you any good. I think about that all the time. How many of you are just, do you ever just know how good you are at lying to yourself? I'm not in that bad a shape. Yes, you are. We're not that bad financially. Yes, you are. You know, God has complete control. No, he doesn't. Just be honest. Who has the deciding power in your life? So then Paul says this, you were once clueless, unaware of what God was trying to do. But then you made a shift to in the Lord where it says God now has the deciding power in your life. He is the master of your life. And then Paul says this, and here's the really good thing. I love this about God. Paul says there will be evidence if this is true or not. There'll be evidence. So you can lie all you want, but there'll be evidence. So it's so great about God. God's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to catch you, but I caught you, you know. Like, I mean, that's God. He's like, there will always be fruits. Watch what he says. He says this. But now you're in the light. Live as children of the light. For the fruit or evidence, everybody say evidence. The evidence that you've made the shift. There's evidence if you've made the shift or not. The evidence of it consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth. So I read that, and I'm like, oh, man. What do those words really mean? Do you ever wonder what words really mean? Do you ever read the Bible and actually go, wonder what? See, because you read a word like goodness, righteousness, and truth, and you're like, oh, I know what that means. Well, I was like, man, I better make sure I know what that means because Paul says, if I've made the shift or when I make the shift, that the evidence will be these things. I better know what they mean. Goodness. Everybody say goodness. Goodness means this. This is going to blow your minds. It blew mine, or maybe you're just way more godly than me and know this, but I bet you're not. All right, watch. Goodness. Not more godly, but I bet you don't know. Goodness means this. Generosity, particularly of the soul. That's what goodness means. Generosity, particularly of the soul. It means that you are generous with your emotional world. I fail at that always. I prefer to use 100% of my mental and emotional energy on forging my beautiful future. Can I get an amen? And so what I do is I wake up every day and I go, okay, I'm going to focus entirely on me. And then all of a sudden somebody scampers over and says, hey, can I have a minute? And I'm like, no, you, no, you can't help me. I don't want to help you. I don't have generosity of soul for you. Off you go. <laughs> oh, we do this, don't we? You, know, you ever notice that somebody's like, somebody will wave at you and you're like, I don't know you. <laughs> or somebody will come up to you at work and they want to talk to you and you're like, don't even, just stop walking. <laughs> or I got to go or send them to voicemail or can I, 
My soul is tapped with the relationships I want, with the things I want. My soul has no generosity left in it. And so I read that and I was so convicted because this is mine. This is where I'm like, I don't know that I have any evidence of being in Christ in this. And then God just prompted me to, to the verse in Leviticus uh, 23, 22. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. God said this, when you go to reap the harvest of your world, do not reap to the edges because there is somebody who is poor. There is somebody who is alone that needs you. So you got to leave those edges for people that are poor and people that are alone. I travel a lot in my new little world and um, I hate sitting next to people on the plane. You know, Jared, you probably love it. It's probably like a fishing hole for you, man. (laughs) You know, I'm like... I'm not, man. Yeah, you're sitting next to me. I'm like, dang it. So I fly Southwest, and so you get to kind of pick your own seat. So I always put my bag next to me like somebody's sitting there. You know, that's my little trick. And um, women always, not, not like a trick. I just don't mean that way. I just mean guys are always like, oh, seat's taken. Women are like, who's sitting there? And I'm like, uh, he's in the bathroom. I just panic, you know. Um, and uh, so me and my business partner were traveling, and, and I'm like, hey, it would be sweet if nobody sat in our row. And so we put the put the my bag there and sure enough some young lady came over she's like who's sitting there and you're like ah and women women see right through you know guys you're like stirring the bathroom guys like right on man women are like you're a liar move your bag and you're like okay (laughs) something about women are so perceptive so we're like nobody got us grab a seat so she sits down and she's like where are you going and I'm like home your floods in you know (laughs) Why are you up here? <laughs> married, they don't want to talk to you. I'm tired, it's a really long week. That's why I'm going home. And, you know, God, he's like, I put her there. You know, and generosity of the soul, edge of your fields, evidence that I'm Lord of your life. So I'm like, hey, uh, yeah, we're, yeah, we we do this thing, start talking, and long story short, man, this I look over and beautiful young girl. She said she works for the Capitol building, and she was going to San Diego to visit a friend. And I look at her arm, and there's just um, scars all over her her arm from cutting from years ago. And we start talking, and we're talking about. She's like, so what's your deal? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I run this company. I, I'm a pastor. Oh, I'm an atheist, and. I'm just like, that's cool, like, a place for you. Um, I didn't say, I was like, yeah, it's, you know, we all got something. And, um, and I was like, you know, I, what's, what's up with your arm? And she's like, you know, I, I cut for a lot of years. And I was like, I've always wondered, why do people do that? Why did, why did you do that? I mean, you sat down here, you started barking up my freaking tree. So what, why do you cut yourself? And for an hour, we talked about Jesus and lordship and authority. My business partner fell asleep and he wakes up when we land, you know, the, the wheels hit the ground and he wakes up and he's like, how was the, how was the time? And, uh, you know, she said something to him that was so important for me. She just said, I think my life may have changed on this flight. 
And I didn't go any further. I didn't go, you know, right now, uh, here's a track. You, you know, you're going to burn. I just was like, Holy Spirit, you got it. Like, I just explained to her the beauty of Jesus and lordship and how uh, you probably have a, I told her, you probably have a hard time walking with God because you're controlling. You've probably had to be controlling because you've been hurt. And now you can't even imagine letting God have control of your life, but he's ready to do it. You know, and you know the thing about God is he's like, there's evidence of me in your life when you leave that room open. And can I be honest with you? When you get off the plane, there's no amount of money, deals closing, jeans fitting, vacations going that's more rewarding than just speaking the gospel into somebody's life. And see, that's where God defines things differently because, see, God's like, what I'm really interested in is, is you walking in step with me. So he says the first thing is this. There's evidence of this. Do you have goodness in your soul? Are you so condemned? Are you so consumed with the all-important you? And can I just get an amen with this sentence? You are not that important. Let me get an amen. You know, I tell people all this time, you know why you're angry? Do you know why you're frustrated? Do you know why you're depressed? Because you actually think you're that important. And it's exhausting being that important, isn't it? You ever feel that way? You're like, my God, you must be depressed and tired. When you, go, when you think you're that important, wow. That's got to be exhausting. Some of the greatest freedoms you'll ever walk in is when you realize you're not that important. I always, I always tell my wife, this, I'm like, you know what's crazy? Two generations from now, no one's going to remember me in our family. I mean, great, great grandpa Josh, I don't know. That's okay, it's true. No one will remember you. No one. So be healthy. Be healthy, you're not that important. I know it sounds crazy, I'm just, this is my, this is like the gospel Jesus preaches through me. It's, anyway. Whatever, it's just the only way I know how to be healthy. Goodness. Second one is this. He says there's evidence of goodness, then there's righteousness. I love this, righteousness. The word righteousness means this, to be conformed to God's standards or in the right place. And I love this thought of, of conforming, because this is what Paul says about conforming. Uh, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. This is what I love about Paul says. Paul says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. There's two things to take away right here. Number one, Paul does not say, do not enjoy the pattern of this world. I love shopping. I love eating. I love traveling. I love experiencing things. I love this world. Paul says, that's okay. Just don't conform to it. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now watch this. Paul says this, if you conform to the pattern. Everybody say pattern. There is a pattern in this world. Now, here's, the, here's what I wrote down for the pattern. Pattern of this world. Consume as much as you can for as long as you can, and then it goes away. That's the pattern of this world. You buy some new clothes. You wear it as much as you can, then you don't like it anymore, and then you give it away. You go eat nice food. You eat the food. You enjoy it as long as you can, and it goes away. Everything in this world, you consume it for as long as you can, then it goes away. And Paul says this, if you conform to that pattern, if that becomes the story of your life, if it's all about how much you can consume for as long as you can, and at the end of the day, that is the pattern of your life, here's the consequence. Then you will not be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
That's righteousness. Paul says, if you can no longer answer the question, what does God want me to do? What is God doing in my life? What is God trying to birth in me? If you can't answer that, then you at least got to wrestle with, have I, have I gone down the road of conforming to a pattern that is beginning to blind my eyes to righteousness? Because God made things for us to enjoy but God has never created idolatry out of the things of this world. He just hasn't. And so many of us, we, could, we were so conformed to consumption. We're so conformed to the pattern of this world that we can't even test and discern anymore what is right standing with God. We can't even determine, we can't even figure it out anymore. And Paul says, that's just evidence that's evidence that you're still obscure. There's evidence of that. And this is what I love about God's word. God's word says, I will always walk with you through truth. How many of you just want to just, I just want to scream amen all the time that I can't hustle God. He's unhustleable. God, I love you. Well, let's just look at the evidence. Let's, I mean, thank you. That's cute. That's kind. Come on up, pull up a chair. Let's look at the evidence. You have goodness of your soul? Have you made margins for people that you don't know and who are poor? Is there margins in your life? Are you in righteousness? Can you test and discern what I'm doing in your life? Come on, pull right up here. Let's, let's see how much authority I have in your life. That's what I love about God. God is so safe. God is so safe because he cannot be fooled. And I'm, I'm working, through this, working through this message and God's just ministering to me, man. He's going, Josh, like... There's so many times that you're so obscure because you don't have space in your heart for other people. Because I think all the time, I don't know that person. Why would I spend time talking to them? Because God said so. A person's just begging for another dollar. Why would I bless them? Because God said so. Because that's evidence of fruit. Man, I can't figure out what God's doing in my life. I, don't, I just don't feel in step with God. That's evidence that you might be needing to reevaluate what you're conforming to. I can't tell, so here's a story. So I'm really, how much time we got here? I'm working on trying to get healthy mentally and emotionally. I just think, I'm telling you, that Toys R Us day changed my life. I was like, I will not live my life unhappy. I will live my life sword fighting, crashing cars, sliding down aisles. And if I've got to get rid of everything to figure that out, I will not live the burden of this world. I got introduced to a business associate last week, and they're interested in doing some work with us. And so we, as is customary in today's marketplace, we followed each other on Instagram. Um, and uh, she and her boyfriend um, took a private jet to the south of France. They had this yacht for his 40th birthday, yada, yada, yada. And I'm looking at these pictures, and I'm like, five years. Five years, I'm going to be 40. What do I got? And all of a sudden, I mean, it's so, all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, what are you doing, dude? What are, you, what are you doing? There's nothing wrong with, with, with pursuing your best, but don't ever get twisted what is right. Just slow down. Wake up tomorrow morning and say, good morning, God. What are you up to and how can I help? And maybe, maybe you wake up someday and you're south of France on a private jet and a yacht. Good for you. 
Maybe you wake up one day and you're sitting up in your Belinda in an upground pool having a PBL. I don't even know what you're doing, but good for you. God's not a judger of those things. That doesn't determine how happy you are. Right standing means every day you wake up and you just go, God, what are you doing? I want to be a part of it. God, I want to be healthy. Anyway, I, I'm just preaching to myself. So if you're getting some out of this, great. If not, I need to hear this like every week. Every week I just got to get up and I'm like, Josh, you are one healthy mug, unhealthy mug, man. You are indulgent. You're, you know, Drew's like, he's good looking. I'm like, I am good looking, Drew. And I'm like, no, no, you just stop. Don't. You Stop that. Stop that. It's not healthy. Let me give you last one, last one. Everybody say truth. Truth simply means this in the original language, no illusions. No illusions. That's what truth means. My mentor, he's a really neat man, really neat godly man. Uh, he's been very gifted in his work and he gets to travel all around the world helping Fortune 100 brands uh, strategize and unpack new products and take them to market. And um, we get to spend a lot of time together and he sat me down and he said, Josh, one of the things that you're going to have to learn is the majority of your life, you're going to live in the subconscious. You're going to live in the imagination. You're going to live in the daydreaming. People will pay you a lot of money to daydream with them. What could this product do? What could this do for your company? What could this do for your bottom line? People will, will just, they will, they will pull you into subconscious environments and you will have to learn when to pull yourself out of the subconscious as me and the conscious. And he said, your whole life you'll daydream about what your success will bring you and where you'll be able to live and what you'll be able to do and all these things. And you'll find that the majority of your life you will live in the subconscious daydream. And there's nothing wrong with that. But truth means no illusions. Truth is conscious living. And he told me, he said, Josh, if there's one thing that I can tell you as we journey together, it's that I will fight with you and I will walk with you to be a man that lives consciously, not subconsciously. Because your mind will drift when you meet people, when you meet the opposite sex, when you meet opportunities, your mind will drift into subconscious. And that's not truth. It is possibility but you get back there to that truth. And this is what scripture says. He says, the evidence of God being the master of your life is that you live in truth. You don't live in fantasy all the time. Listen, I'm not saying don't daydream. I'm not saying don't dream about what could be, but I'm saying do that and then put that on hold and then come right back and go, God, what are you doing? How can I help? God, I want to be in righteousness with you. Romans 9.1, I love this. It says this. I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. Let me unpack this because you might say to yourself, do you ever wonder how do I really speak truth to myself? Well, Paul breaks it down right here. He says three things. Here's the first thing. Speak truth as best I can. People say, I'm not very pretty. I'm not very successful. People don't like me. And you go, okay, let's, let's take the first step of truth. Hold on real, real quick. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that you're not pretty, that you're not successful, that people don't like you, that you're not valuable? And you might say, yes, I really do believe that. You may fail the first step of truth. 
And then he says, well, there's a next one. He says, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it. And I love this because, you, you know, you, you, your, your gut might say, your gut might say, you know, I really think that. And I go, okay, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that Jesus said that? I understand you believe it, but the, that consciousness in you, do you believe that the Holy Spirit of God just, do you believe Jesus said, you're ugly, you're not valuable, you're not special, you're not important? Yes, I do. You know, I meet people all the time that say, yes, I do. I believe that, that the God of this world doesn't think I'm valuable, doesn't think I have purpose, doesn't think I have meaning. I really believe that God doesn't think I'm valuable. Okay, you failed the second part of truth. That's all right. We got a third one. Here's the third one because God never lets us down. Here's what he says. Through the Holy Spirit, does God's word say that? You show me anywhere in God's word that says you're not valuable, you're not important, you're not special, that the things of this world are going to make you happy, that the more you have, the happier. Just show me right here where it is. Some of us need to learn how to live a life that speaks truth to ourselves. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe Jesus says that? Is there any evidence of God's word that that's true? You know, we, we all are responsible for our life for this little time, short period of time. And it is going to fly by. Some of you know that even more than I do. And you know what God is most interested in? For Pete's sake, be healthy. Be healthy. Make that shift from obscurity to submitted to God. Make that shift that says, God, I, I, I have no clue to that step where it says, Lord, you have the power to make decisions in my life. And then, Often, everybody say often. Often, stop and say, is there any evidence that this is happening? Do I have generosity of my soul? Not just your pocketbook. Sometimes that's so easy. Quick check. Everything's good. You're so generous. Indeed, I am. How's your soul? That's the barometer. Because you can't write a check for that. That's not a lot of time. You can't make more soul. How's, your, how's the generosity of your soul? Can you hear God? Are you in step with God? Are you in righteousness? Or have you conformed to a pattern of this world that says more, 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 more? Lies. Have you learned the discipline of speaking truth to yourself? Have you, have you forgotten completely how to be honest with yourself? I can't tell you how many people I talk to and I'll sit there and we're talking. I'm like, wow, I really think you've lost the art of honesty to yourself. I think you've completely lost it. You have no clue how to even be intellectually honest with yourself anymore. You've lost the ability to do that. You've conformed to the pattern of this world. You have no generosity of your soul. God does not have authority of your life and you're in darkness. And you know what the thing is, you guys? Every single one of us can flow in and out of that every day, can't we? This is not this thing that like, once you get to a certain place, you never go back. It's kinetic. You either got momentum going forward or you got momentum going back. There's... there's significance amount of time in, in my day that I live in obscurity and there's significance amount of my day where I live in Christ. 
And my hope is there's more and more time in Christ and less and less time in obscurity. But I do know this. Nothing, no pattern of this world will make you happy. If you completely live for yourself, you'll be miserable, miserable. And if you lose the art of being honest with yourself, you'll just make yourself out to be a liar. And you will feel dark and you will feel imprisoned. And that verse, when, and then you'll know what? Jesus said, I came for you. I came for you. I came for you. I'll be honest with you. And I don't know how this, I don't know how this gospel goes up here. It never, it always goes over like a rock in the ocean. But God didn't come to give you a house. He didn't come to give you a car. He didn't come to give you clothes. He didn't come to give you wealth. He came to give you his son, Jesus Christ, to change your life. And anything less than that is darkness. And I pray that that gospel will just, will just resonate with you. I hope you'll run back to it all day, every day. And whatever God decides to do with you, because he has a decision-making power, amen, that's what lordship means. It means you don't have the decision-making power anymore. He does. So whatever he decides to do with your life, would you just make it a blessing to him? Just make it a blessing to him. Say, Lord, you decided to do this with my life, and it's a sweet aroma to you. It's a blessing to you. I give it back to you. And maybe God decides to do a little something different. I didn't say more. I didn't say more. More. What a dirty word. Different. Maybe he says something a little different. Then make that a blessing and make that a blessing and make that a blessing. But for the love of God, be healthy. Amen? Amen. Just stand with me as we pray. Man, God, we are, um, <laughs> we are a dysfunctional group. There is no doubt about that. God, from the days of Adam and Eve, when you said you can have everything but, and we said, no, 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 I want everything. God, we've never changed at all. We have not progressed at all. We still just want everything. But Father, what we really want is lordship. What we really want is for you to have the decision-making power in our life. Father God, so that we can, we can have generosity of our soul, so that we can be in step with your spirit, so that we can know what truth is, so that we can be in light. Lord, may that, may that challenging gospel resonate with us this morning. And may we feel a sense of hope because you've come to set us free from the things that have made us so dark. In your name we pray, amen.